All right. We are ready to go. I want to thank everyone for being here this morning. And I know that um, this time of year, it gets very difficult to um, keep our mind on the Lord because uh, the world has another way for us to go. But it's, in it, it's inevitable that we cannot allow the traditions of men and the thoughts of this world to keep us from setting forth the word of God in our hearts and in our minds, to let our minds be uh, captured by the word of God and lead us in the place that God is establishing for us. I, I think those things that God is doing today are remarkable, that they're above anything that man could think of doing for himself. So why don't you all bow your heads with me this morning and we'll, we'll open with prayer and then uh, we'll, go to the, we'll go to the word of God today. Father, I just thank you so much for the time that you've given to us to draw us near unto you. And we know, Lord, that no man can uh, come to God unless the Father draw him. And we know today, Lord, in your presence, we have been drawn to you that we might hear the word of God that you might establish in our hearts that which, that which is called the truth, that which is called Jesus Christ. And you shall make us completely aware in our minds as to the excitement and as to the joy that you are putting into us to set forth the word of God to where we may build upon it, bring forth the body of Christ, bring forth a wife, bring forth the wife of God, and know that the work of God is at hand in us in all things. I pray for those who are not with us today, bless them, keep them, keep them safe, that they may return to us, Lord, and we may enjoy their presence in our company once again. We bless thee, O God, we worship thee, and we know that you are indeed the one truth, the one Jesus whom we serve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So turn with me this morning to um, uh, Ezra, the book of Ezra. Now, you know, it's, it, I'm, I'm, the more I'm getting into this, and I, I'm starting to really get into it because um, this is an exciting time. I, I'll just, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Even in, when we read it in the Old Testament, when we're reading the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, we, a lot of times when we just read the books, we're not comprehending or we're not aware of, I shouldn't say that, we're not aware, I don't want to use the word comprehension, we're not aware of what's taking place uh, in not only Ezra and Nehemiah, but what's taking place in all of Israel for the house of God to be restored. So when you read the book of the books of Ezra and Nehemiah, do, are we not aware that of what's taking place in the heart of Daniel, the prophet? And that, I mean, Daniel it has been raised up. Daniel is already on the scene. Daniel is already working by the word of God. God has raised him up for a specific purpose. And it's amazing how even before Cyrus, I mean, Daniel was on the scene when who was ruling? It, Nebuchadnezzar was ruling in Babylon. Daniel was on the scene. What was taking place in Daniel, even during the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, 
I, I begin to um, uh, look at those things and it's like, wow, God was there, God was working, God was uh, already making manifest the, the thoughts that were in Israel, even in the thoughts of the kings of the earth that were keeping Israel from coming back to God. All that, all that was already uh, taking place. It was unfolding in a great way. And uh, Daniel was being um, uplifted by the word of God. I'm just going to go there just for a moment. Uh, because, I mean, Daniel, you look, you look at the book of Daniel, and the angel of the Lord came to him so many times, right? And began to uh, make his mind aware of what God was doing in, in, to restore the house of God. Because Nebuchadnezzar, when he came in, what did he do to it? He destroyed it. And he took all the, every artifact uh, in the temple uh, that they used to, that had great meaning that they used to worship the Lord. He took it all because it was have it provided great wealth. It was gold, silver, and all the things that had uh, uh, a lot of value to the kings of the earth. I mean, it was it was it was full of it. Even the temple itself, the inside of the temple itself, wasn't everything in the temple overlaid with fine gold? I mean, if I go back and read it in, in the book of in, in Solomon the way Solomon built the temple, everything in the temple was overlaid with fine gold. There was great value in it. It had great value to the children of Israel. It had great value before the Lord because it was the plan of God. Even in your life, uh, when Jesus Christ enters to, into your life, those things are in place uh, so that you begin to see what kind of a treasure you are to God. Not to the earth, not to the world, but to God. So when I build after the word of, when I build according to the plan of God, when I build according to the covenant that God has set forth from the beginning, I am valued greatly by God himself. I have great value before the Lord because I'm a keeper of the word of God. I'm not keeping uh, thoughts of my own. I'm keeping the word of God, and that's what's caused, caused the temple uh, to be made manifest, to be made known. And in ourselves today, we would call it the body of Christ. So that every member of the body of Christ knows the word of God. So that every thought in me has been taken captive by the word of God to form the body of Christ. And I know the value of that body because that body belongs to God. It's God's body. It's Christ's body. That body has everything intact to finish the work of God forever and ever. And it, it, so what we see in type and shadow in the Old Testament begins to define those things to the mind so that we know how valuable or the worth that we have in God's eyes. That's why God's after it. There's not one soul that God hath made that is not invaluable to God. That's why he's after it. So in, in our minds, we look at one another, we pass judgment on one, on one another, thinking that, well, the, what that person's doing has no value. Or what that person's doing has no value. We judge it outwardly according to the flesh. But I will tell you this, and I swear by this, there is not one soul that God hath created that does not 
form or can't, it does not have a place in the body of Christ uh, that forms uh, all the working of Jesus Christ in our day of salvation, not one. Every soul is valued. Every soul is the work of God. And that's why God said all souls are mine. Correct? Does, didn't he say that? All souls are mine. Not just Israel, or not just one nation, but all the earth is mine, saith the Lord. All of them. And so that Jew and Gentile, in the gospel of Jesus Christ, the cross of Christ breaks down that wall of partition that separates Jew and Gentile, or separates the mind from the finished work of God or bringing the body of Christ back into oneness with God. So here we go. We're going to lay the foundation of the word of God, and that foundation is going to bring the oneness of Christ back into manifestation uh, in heaven and all the angels of God and every word that's in heaven is going to celebrate what God hath done through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's awesome. So when I look at the book of Daniel and I begin to see how God is going before Israel and working, raising up Daniel, even in the reign of King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar in his lust came in to destroy the temple of God and took for himself all the things that had been ordained for the service of the house of God. Everything. And even in us, King Nebuchadnezzar, who, who, who is King Nebuchadnezzar a manifestation of? Man of sin. Satan, right? He's a king of the earth. He, he rules the... In fact, in the Babylonian Empire, uh, he ruled the earth. And that's the, uh, that's the part that kind of when we, we begin to look at it in a sense of history, we, there are things that we're, we're not sure of or don't, don't know, but these Babylonian empires and the Persian Empire and the Grecian Empire and the Roman Empire, they didn't just, they just didn't uh, have an aspect of thought in them. They ruled the earth. They ruled it all. So that to the point that they took the children of Israel captive in such a way that the, the bondage that they were in, even in Egypt, right? The Egyptian empire. I don't know how many of you have read, are familiar with world history or have read world history or, or any of that. I used, to be, I used to be taken up with it, so I would read it all. I read it a lot. But those empires were so great, so strong, and so pervast that uh, there was not a way for Israel to come out from among them and serve the Lord unless the, the word of God came to begin to uh, break apart the empire, tear the empire down, uh, and make it begin to war against itself that the word of God or the children of God could be made free. And what we're even in our thoughts today, when the prophecy came forth uh, that we were sons of God. The thing that we knew, even as being sons, that there was a great bondage in us that was not allowing the Son to come forth. And even still today, we know in prophecy we are the sons of God. Yet, there are all these things ruling our minds that doesn't allow us to come forth as that Son. 
And that's what we begin to see in Ezra and Nehemiah, and that's why it's become so important to us today, is that uh, that bondage is great in the mind. So when we begin to read about it in the Old Testament, in these books, all of a sudden, uh, we begin to understand the power that works in the mind that keeps the Son of God from being made manifest. Know this, though. Prophecy came to tell you you're a son of God. So Daniel has been raised up. Malachi has been raised up. Uh, I'm, Hezekiah has, I'm sorry, all, the, all these thoughts are going through my mind and all these different prophets that are prophesying, right? I said before, Obadiah, Hezekiah, Hezekiah is a king in the Old Testament, sorry. But all these prophets are being raised up and becoming made manifest and are beginning to reveal the bondage that we're in and what needs to happen in order for that bondage to be taken apart so that the Son of God can be, can be made known. And so when God raises up Daniel and Daniel begins to pray and all of a sudden... Uh, things begin to happen. What happened in Daniel? Anybody remember the stories of Daniel and what began to take place? It's awesome. The angel of the Lord, the word of the Lord comes to Daniel. And immediately, Daniel begins to pray. And when Daniel begins to pray, things begin to happen in a tremendous way. So um, I, I would love to go in and read a few. I told you to go to Ezra. I'm going to tell you now to go to the book of Daniel because that's where my thoughts are this morning. In the third year in the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. So here we are. King, of, king Nebuchadnezzar comes to Judah and takes over the temple of God. And it goes into captivity, right? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we all know that. And the king spoke unto Ashaphaznaz. The king spoke to uh, Dave. Let's just use that. Word. Let's use the, that name this morning, because I, I, I can say it. <laughs> the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel. And of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored, skillful in all wisdom and cunning and knowledge and understanding science, such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace, in whom they might teach the learning and language and tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat, and of which he drank, so nourishing them three years, that at the end of thereof he might stand before the king. Now among these were the, these children were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, of who we also know as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So now, putting the names of those children in your mind, all of a sudden, oh, the... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Daniel. All of a sudden, the word of God begins to 
uh, unroll in our minds because how long have we heard those stories? Since we were children. Correct? So from the time that we were children, God was working in his word so that when the prophecy came to you that you were the sons of God, that when the time came to make manifest the bondage that lived in your mind, the bondage that was keeping the Son of God from coming forth in you, it could be destroyed. And you would turn to God, you would know that God was God, and you would be quickened to build again the house of God. That, that, that's what's taking place. I, I know it's an Old Testament story, but it has great, there's a great manifestation in it for us today. Because we would not know these things working in our minds unless the Word of God was telling us. Because even in Daniel, was not Michael and Gabriel both uh, archangels of God? Were they not both in the, uh, the time of Daniel to raise up the children of Israel to build the house? Yes, they both were there. They were both there. And God also, if you go in and read the book, God also began to quicken their minds around the everlasting covenant. That the, that the covenant would be made known in Israel once again. And as the covenant was being made known and, and it was being revealed, greater became the mind of the children of Israel to build the house of God. So likewise, you know, it's the building of the house of God that makes the Son of God manifest. Do you understand what I'm saying there? is that without the body of Christ, without the house of God becoming manifest, neither is the Son. Because who are we, John? Does the Bible say that I am the church? Does the Bible say, well, not me specifically, right? It's the word of God that's being made manifest that is building the church. It's making the body of Christ manifest. So doesn't the book of Revelation say that Jesus Christ is coming for his church? He's coming for his bride. And so by the word of God that you hear today, that bride is making herself ready for the receiving of Jesus Christ. So you are becoming made ready. By the word of God, you are becoming made ready uh, for the coming of the Lord. That the testimony of Jesus Christ will now once again inhabit your life and your mind, every aspect of it. Every consciousness that you have when it comes to the word of God, it's going to be God's. It's going to belong to the Lord in heaven. And it will be the proving ground of every good work of God. So the church isn't just some, I don't want to say, this, this, is, this is where we get lost in it, okay? When we, when we talk about the church, our mind gets locked in on this body of believers that is physical, and it's not that at all. It's the, it's the body of the word that begins to make manifest every aspect of the thought of God. That is the body of Christ. 
And it becomes in, in very endearing to each and every one of us because each and every one of us are the church. So it's important for, for us to know that not only is God saving me, not only is God saying or calling me a son, but in me, God is building his house. He is building his church. He is building the body of Christ. So that when I put off this body of flesh, what, what's already there? What's been built? The house of God. This body of flesh is going to be put off. This body of flesh is going to go away. Thank goodness for that. And when it goes away, what's left? The word of God. That's what's left. And when we say the word of God, that word of God has image. It has formed something within that is far greater than the imagination of the human mind can even comprehend. And it doesn't just function. It functions in glory and power. It reigns. It's the kingdom of heaven. And in it, God has given everything in his hand to it so that it performs as the Christ of God. Now, that sounds awesome. But the reality of it is, it is the truth. Is that in every consciousness of God, in which God reigns, and he's the God of heaven, he's the God of the earth. And when I say earth, I will say every aspect of earth, every perception of earth in you. Whether it's physical, terrestrial, same with heaven. Whether it's physical, whether it's terrestrial or spiritual. Every aspect of it, God reigns in truth and in power and in glory because none of it would exist without Jesus Christ, the Son of God. None of it. So what God is doing today in you is making manifest, making known the triumphant power of God in the body of Christ, the church. So when we go back and we begin to read the books of the prophet, when we begin to read in Ezra and Nehemiah, it's not about some physical thing at a place and time of history. It is about what is taking place in you, how God is going before you to make a way in you for you to hear the restoration prophets of God so that all the house of God can be restored and it is powerful. <coughs> Excuse me. So let me, let me go on in the book of Daniel. Now, these, now among these were the children of Judah, um, among the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, in whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names for gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar. So every time you read Belteshazzar, which becomes kind of confusing when you read it, because you can read it uh, in Ezra, Nehemiah, and the book of Daniel. And it gets confusing. Well, I, who's Belteshazzar? Who's that guy? It's Daniel. So you know that when they're talking about Belteshazzar, they're talking about who? Daniel. Daniel has, has been raised up. Daniel is prophesying 
Daniel is doing what needs to be done for the word of God to set you free. It's awesome. And <clears throat> Hananiah of Shadrach, Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel, now listen, this is where it all starts. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Isn't that awesome? How did he do it? How, did, how would Daniel make himself tender in love to the prince of the eunuchs? How would he do it? Yeah. Yeah, he had a heart after God. He, he didn't, he never put himself first. Listen to this. He never put himself first. Ever. There was a greater heart in Daniel to see the children of Israel be restored to the living God than to take one thought of importance for himself. Think about that. Is that not the mind of Christ? How many thoughts did Jesus take for himself? None. Zero. Jesus took no thought for himself. That's what Daniel did. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. For why should he see your faces worse, liking the children which are of your sort? Then you shall make me endanger my head, endanger my head to the king. So the, eunuch, the prince of the eunuchs said, Dan, Daniel, if you don't, Dan, I guess that works too. If you don't partake of the portion that the king has granted you, who's Daniel refusing? Who's he refusing here? The king, the king of the earth, right? Yeah. And so the eunuch says, if, if you don't do this, your, your countenance is going to be changed. It's going to be withdrawn. And you're going to look like all the other children of Israel. And in Daniel's mind, so be it. When you read in Nehemiah, what did Nehemiah, what, when Nehemiah went in before the king, what was the countenance of Nehemiah? You remember in the story? Very sad, right? Why was he sad? Why was his countenance sad? Because the children of Israel was in bondage in the house of God, lied in waste. That's significant. That's, that bondage is what works in our minds. That bondage is what keeps us from hearing the word of God. And so God has, is quickening his, his word in us by his prophets to let the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ be made known in us. It's the truth. It wouldn't be in the Old Testament if it wasn't significant to the possession of our mind when it comes to what God wants to establish in us today. It would not be there. Let me go on. Then Daniel said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove your servants, I beseech you, ten days, and let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. So now Daniel's telling him, well, I don't want your meat, and, and 
and your wine. Give us pulse. What's pulse? Vegetables, it's everything you look around. Yeah, it's, it, he says, just give us, uh, just, just give us vegetables and, and, and uh, let's say oatmeal, that kind of thing, right? Just give us that. Let our countenance be looked upon before and before you and the countenance of your children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as you see, deal with your servants. So the, the eunuch consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the end of 10 days, now listen. So Daniel is, Daniel has given his, given his mind to the word of God here. He's given his mind to making manifest the, uh, the righteousness of God, making manifest the mind of Christ. And at the end of 10 days, listen to this, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children which did eat the portion of the king's meat. God is working. God is proving, and he's proving you. So, Chris, when you asked your question about being baptized by the word, washed, washed by the word of God, and then receiving the spirit uh, of baptism in fire and spirit, yes, the word of God in you, in the washing, is also creating in you the fire and spirit of God and the appearance of it is also going to be made known in you by the grace of God. It's awesome. Thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. So I don't want to say it to you in any other way this morning than this. Live in the word of God. Live in believing that you are sons of God. Because in living in believing that you are the sons of God, know this for a truth, that God is already working in you by the mightiness of his power to make you, to make the son of God in you known. Believe it. That's why when we try to do it in our own minds, Frankie, when we try to take the word of God and uh, create, let the, take the word of God and create something that's not of God, do, do we not make the bondage greater? Mm -hmm. We do. But when we believe the word of God, when we believe God, knowing what, that God is working, do we not know that everything that God created in, in six days, God said it was good? And then the seventh day, God said it is finished, and he rested. And yet, we can't believe God for the six days, let alone the seventh. We want to keep taking the word of God and creating something in ourselves that we think looks like God. Thus, wasn't that the work of Hagar? Or excuse me, wasn't that the work of Sarah when she took Hagar and gave it to Abraham? It's the same. Every word in that Old Testament is to admonish you in your mind for the performance that God has you. God has called you out. God has separated you into his own will. God has set you forth as a son 
And in that setting forth of you as a son, God is already working by his mighty hand to make the mind of Christ known in you. Make you the performance of God's word. So that your life becomes the testimony of the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, when we talk about the foundation of repentance from dead works and faith toward God, what we begin to see in the Old Testament is as the word of God went forth and began to quicken the mind of the prophets and of the priests and of the Levites to build again the house of God, and they began to lay the foundation of the house of God in order. Great was the not only all of those men working together to bring forth the, the forming of the foundation of the house of God, but great was the working in all of Israel to build the house. And now it was becoming manifest. And not only did it was it being quickened amongst the children of Israel, but all the earth was seeing the manifestation of it. I mean, from Nebuchadnezzar to Cyrus, uh, and I can't remember the name of all the other kings right now. I've, I read about them all this week. But Darius, right? King Darius. They, they were all beginning to see the manifestation of the power of God at work through the truth. All of them were seeing it. And the adversary would come and work against them, right? I mean, that adversary was strong. And it, and it put the time uh, of construction off uh, for many years. But did it change the will of God? Hear me. It did not change the will of God. And it's not going to change the will of God in you. Or for you. If I can say it that way. It's not going to happen. God has you. And I'm going to leave you with this this morning. Is that God has you and God has always had you from the from the moment that he drew you near to him to hear the word of God, God has had you. And that our instrument in building the house of God is to believe every word of God that he has spoken. And in believing it, we will see and hear. This is awesome. We hear uh, the elders talk about dreams and visions, correct? Where they, they see themselves as the prophet Daniel, or they see themselves as the apostle Peter, or they see themselves as all these men working in the scriptures to bring forth the house of God. Listen, you believe God, and you let God have that mind, and you let God take away all the bondage in your mind. It will free the mind to where you also begin to have dreams and visions by the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Guaranteed, because it's God has said. God has said. So when Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, um, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you shall what? Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. You will, you're going to receive it. But in the receiving of it, what did it make known? Did it make known uh, who they were or did it make known who Jesus is? Ask yourself, 
It made known who Jesus is. The work of the Holy Ghost in remembrance is to make known the revelation of Jesus Christ. And if it makes your mind known, or if it makes you known to yourself, it's not the work of God. If it brings forth images of flesh, and you put your images, your mind in the image of flesh outwardly, it is not God. The Holy Ghost takes you into heaven, and it begins to birth in you, affirm in you, the work of God from the beginning, when he set his son, Jesus Christ, on the throne and created all things by that same word in Christ Jesus, even you. That's the power of God. That's the power of believing today. And as we continue along the lines of the foundation of the house of God, we're going to see type and shadow. We're going to see examples, and we're, we're going to see much admonition come to us because of building correctly by the word of God. So I want to leave you that with that this morning. And I want you to be encouraged, blessed, that what God has said he will do, he is already doing it. And he's proving it in each and every one of us by the power of his word. God bless you today. Have a very merry Christmas. I'm not much of a... I won't record that part. I'll stop the recording real quick here if you don't mind let's see here I gotta do that I gotta do this